and I welcome you to What's New. We move on today to Acts chapter 24, focusing on the opening nine verses of this chapter. Chapter 24 opens and closes with Paul, a prisoner in Caesarea. As we have seen from the closing verses of chapter 23, Paul was brought here secretly by the Romans from Jerusalem to elude the Jews who had plotted to kill him. As the chapter opens, we see the high priest, Ananias, and the elders coming down from Jerusalem to accuse Paul before Felix. He is accused of sedition, rebellion, and profaning the temple. Now, here's the way that Luke begins his account of Paul's trial before Felix. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish leaders and the lawyer, Tertullus, to make their accusations against Paul. When Tertullus was called forward, he laid charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. Your Excellency, you have given quietness and peace to us Jews and have greatly reduced the discrimination against us, and for this we are very, very grateful to you. But lest I bore you, kindly give me your attention for a few moments as I briefly outline our case against this man. For we have found him to be a troublemaker, a man who is constantly inciting the Jews throughout the entire world to riots and rebellions against the Roman government. He is a ringleader of the sect known as the Nazarenes. Moreover, he was trying to defile the temple when we arrested him. We would have given him what he justly deserves, but Lysias... The commander of the garrison came and took him violently away from us, demanding that he be tried by Roman law. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then all the other Jews chimed in and declared that everything Tertullus said was true. Only the splendor 
Tertullus has nothing but flattery for Felix the governor, unjust charges against Paul, and subtle insinuations against Claudius Lysias. Not much of a case. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. A godly Christian Jew named Paul is falsely accused by his own countrymen. Under threat of death, he has to flee Jerusalem with a large contingent of soldiers and under cover of darkness. He is brought to the coast city of Caesarea, the capital, and the residence of the governor, whose name is Felix. King Herod had built this palace there, and Paul was kept safely in a holding cell until his accusers from Jerusalem, some 65 miles away, could arrive. Who should come to present the case against Paul but the renegade high priest Ananias himself? I described Ananias a few days ago. He was hardly a paragon of virtue. He was probably the lowest high priest that this nation ever had. He came to Caesarea to present the case of the Jews against Paul. Luke tells it this way. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. Tertullus was an attorney or advocate hired by the Sanhedrin. He was really a professional orator and public speaker. He had a good command of the language and a good flow of words. He may have spoken in Latin to Governor Felix, although Greek was allowed in court. The name Tertullus is Greek or Latin. Perhaps he was a Gentile, or he may have been a Hellenistic Jew who was familiar with the affairs of the empire with a common Latin name. At any rate, he was a clever rhetorician. No doubt Ananias felt he could manipulate Felix with the help of Tertullus. The advocate's opening remarks were at best nothing but flattery, and at worst they were lies. Tertullus said to Felix, We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you. Actually, the peace was a very shaky one. It had to be strongly and brutally enforced. Underneath the surface, anarchy was brewing and about to surface. Riots were common. In fact, very soon after this, Emperor Nero called Felix to Rome to give an account of the disturbances among the Jews and Gentiles in Caesarea. Actually, as a result, his whole administration was investigated and reviewed. The evidence against Felix was overwhelming, so he was recalled from his post. He would have been severely punished if it hadn't been for the intercession of his brother Pallas. So Tertullus' words about peace have a hollow ring to them. It was nothing but flattery. He spends about as much time flattering Felix as accusing Paul. Tertullus now comes to the charge against Paul. Here it is. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, 
stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. Well, the accusation is twofold. Number one, it concerns disturbing the public peace, a civic matter. The second has to do with disturbing the Jewish religion, a religious matter. To preserve order in both civic and religious matters was the responsibility of the Roman governor. The charge was clever. So the first charge is more general in nature. Tertullus calls Paul a troublemaker. Actually, he calls him a pest, a plague, someone who causes dissension not just in Jerusalem but all over the world, an obvious exaggeration. The word this attorney used, which my Bible translates stirring up riots, has political overtones to impress Felix. Tertullus purposely used an ambiguous word. It includes an insinuation that borders on insurrection, a revolt against the government. Violent upheavals should concern the government. The charge was untrue, since several times the Roman authorities themselves had determined that Paul and the Christians were not guilty of this charge. That there were Jewish uprisings in many parts of the Roman world was true, but some had taken place in areas where Paul had never been, such as Alexandria in Egypt and Rome itself. Now for the second charge, the religious one. Tertullus accuses Paul of being the ringleader of the sect called the Nazarenes. Christ was so called because he came from Nazareth. The implication is that this was not a legitimate group within Judaism. It was an illegal religion and therefore should not be tolerated under the law of Rome. It was an attempt to separate Paul and Christianity from the Jewish religion. Furthermore, this lawyer said that Paul had attempted to desecrate the temple. He was referring to the charge that Paul had brought Trophimus the Ephesian into the court of Israel in the temple. The charge was untrue, and by this time Tertullus must have known that, but he surfaces it anyway. Actually, this was a veiled way of telling Felix that this was a matter for the Jews to decide and to dispose of, not Felix. Jews had been given the legal right to try and even execute a Jew or Gentile, Roman citizen or not, if that person violated the sanctity of the temple. Commander Lysias had had no right to interfere when the mob was beating Paul in the court of the Gentiles in the temple. All the representatives of the Sanhedrin who had accompanied Ananias and Tertullus agreed that what their spokesman said was true. Well, that's the case against Paul, carefully articulated by this professional public orator. Christianity and Paul were pests that should be stamped out. But it's not that easy. It's been tried many times since, but the church grew and became worldwide. Truth cannot be silenced. Paul speaks out. I'm asking the renewal singers to remind us that all of us need to speak out for truth. If we fail to, then the very stones will cry out. Shout! 
production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA. 